And now, as a forgiven and a beloved people, let us hear today's gospel reading. Today we are hearing from the book of Luke. Yes, we are out of Colossians. We are in the book of Luke, and we will be hearing chapter 12, verses 32 through 40. I am reading from the Common English Bible Translation, but as always, I encourage you to follow along or to read along in the biblical language that best connects you with God. So let us hear the words of Christ, the words of Jesus. Luke chapter 12, verses 32 through 40. Now don't be afraid, little flock, because your father delights in giving you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to those in need. Make for yourselves wallets that don't wear out, a treasure in heaven that never runs out. No thief comes near there and no moth destroys. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be too. Be dressed for service. Keep your lamps lit. Be like people waiting for their master to come home from a wedding celebration, who can immediately open the door for them when they arrive and knock on the door. Happy are those servants whom the master finds waiting up when they arrive. I assure you that when they arrive, they will dress themselves to serve, seat them at the table as honored guests, and wait on them. Happy are those whom the master finds alert, even if they come at midnight or just before dawn. But know this, if the homeowner had known what time the thief was coming, they wouldn't have allowed their home to be broken into. You also must be ready, because the human one is coming at a time when you do not expect him. These are the words of God for all who would hear them. Thanks be to God. So as usual, the lectionary for today has put us right smack dab in the middle of a whole entire conversation between Jesus and his disciples. For folks unfamiliar with what the lectionary is, it's like an official calendar of the church. It's one that assigns particular sections of both the Hebrew texts as well as the New Testament for certain weeks. And the point of that is that if it's split up into three year-long cycles, we each have the opportunity to experience the fullness of the scriptures every three years. So here we are, and we are with Jesus and his closest followers. And at first glance, when we first read this or hear this, it really feels like Jesus is all over the place with this one. There's no real rhyme or reason. He seems to jump from topic to topic, and so I feel like it's important that we give it a little bit of context. In the verses immediately preceding, our reading for today. Jesus has been trying to explain to his disciples what it means for the work that they are about to do, which is to build God's kingdom or kingdom here on earth. And he explains that this work of God 
is going to create something that is vastly different from any kingdom that anyone has ever known previously. It's going to turn everything upside down. The first will be last and the last will be first. He tells them about how they may be brought up on charges, brought up before kings and empires because of their faith in God, because of their belief in what Christ, what Jesus is teaching them. And then he proceeds to tell them a parable about a man who hoards all of his wealth for himself, puts all of his grain in a silo for himself, only to be told by God that it's foolish to do so because he may die tomorrow. Well, that's a good time. That's a real good time. Jesus seems like he's a lot of fun at parties at this stage in his ministry. And so at this point in his teaching, I imagine that as he's looking at all of his disciples, he's getting all kinds of worried looks, concerns for what is about to come. This is during their trek to Jerusalem when Christ has turned his face to the holy city. And we all know how that turns out. They're being prosecuted. They're being followed. Nothing's really going well. And that's what brings us to today's reading. And when we put it in perspective, we can understand why, in this particular section, Jesus starts off with, do not be afraid, little flock. Or maybe, to paraphrase, hey, 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 don't look so scared, it's going to be okay. God's got you. It's all good. And he tells them then directly what is expected of them, what is expected of them by God. What is expected as a response to God's generous gift of care and concern. A care and concern that is not limited to just the greatest, but also to the least among them. Because the kingdom of God is one of grace and of love and of justice and of peace. And as Jesus says, it's God's great pleasure to ensure that we all have access to it, that we are all given it. It is God's great pleasure to give it to us all. But, and there's always a but, it is not enough, Jesus says, to simply accept God's grace. It's not enough to just simply sit on our laurels and know that we are saved. We must be partners with God. We must put into action the grace that we have received. Now, I want to take a moment and I want to acknowledge how what follows in this text after the do not be afraid little flock has been used historically not, not to give a sense of peace but how it's been used to instill fear in followers of the Jesus way. And I say that because I do not believe that God is one who requires obedience through fear. Amen? That is not what capital L love requires of us. You see, we are not expected to keep our lamps lit for fear that God may show up and that we will be punished if we are caught doing something that we shouldn't be doing, or if we have left things undone. 
We are not going to be subject to punishments if the owner of the household arrives and we as servants are not ready for their arrival. That is not what this is about, though it has been used that way for centuries. This is not a lesson about fearful obedience or fear of violence or damnation that then causes us to do what is required. And my heart truly breaks for all of those who have been taught that, for those who have internalized that lesson so much that they are no longer able to experience a relationship with a loving and just God. That is not the God that I serve. I serve a God of deep and abiding love, one whose pleasure it is to give the kingdom because God chose us, because we are God's beloveds. So let's begin here. Let us set the fear aside and let us instead look a little deeper. Because Jesus is telling us that it's not enough to simply accept God's grace, to accept our salvation, which, as you have heard me say before, at the root of that word is salvos, the wholeness and healing, the balm that is given to us in love. It's not enough to simply accept that and just keep living our lives as if nothing has ever changed. Accept what has changed is our security in being made whole again, which is implied by the giving and receiving of the kingdom or kingdom of God. It is not enough to just simply know it. No. Jesus is reminding us that it takes constant work, continuous practice to embrace, embody, and emanate the love and light we have received when we first believed in Jesus, when we first accepted his teachings, when we first realized there was another way to live. He is telling us that it takes constant work. And he uses, he uses this, this image of lamps because back in the day, in order to keep a vast home lit in the darkness, it wasn't enough to light just a couple of oil lamps and call it a day or night, however you want to look at it. The folks keeping the house needed to always be moving. They needed to always be checking on the lamps, refilling the oil, checking the length of the wicks, relighting the lamps that had gone out, or even repairing the ones that had cracked. Without this constant tending to the light, things would once again be swallowed by nightfall. In today's world, this is the faithful equivalent, if you will, of changing your smoke alarm batteries before they start chirping and annoying you at all hours. Or, for those of us in New England or in northern areas, shoveling the walkway while it's snowing not waiting until the storm passes to find everything underneath that new snow has frozen or become a hazard. How many of us have been there? Amen. And that is the message for us today, beloveds. It's not enough 
to just know in our head or believe that we will be okay in a world that continues to break our hearts and God's heart. It's not enough. It's not enough to even simply tell people, oh, we'll be okay. God loves us, wants us to be happy and whole and healthy. So we're going to be fine. It's not enough. We have to live it. We have to live it in everything that we do. It's in our daily comings and goings. God's love and the lessons of Jesus need to be central to all of our actions. Because when we do that, when we embody, when we take it in, we become creators of God's peace here, on this plane, in this time in history, in this reality. And we do it for love of God, not for fear of retribution. So my question for us to contemplate and put into action this day and every day, how are you keeping your lamps lit? How are you keeping your lamps and the lamps around you bright? And if your lamps are looking a little rough, and honestly, given the state of our world and society today, who can blame you if there are some cracks or if maybe you've forgotten to fill the oil all the way or trim your wicks? How will you tend to them so that they once again light up the night? How will you embrace, embody, and emanate the love and light we are given freely by our loving and gracious God every day, every moment, every breath? Will it look like reigniting your prayer life so you're always in conversation with God? It doesn't have to be a formal prayer. It can just simply be, thank you for getting me through the next breath, O oh God. Or maybe setting aside time to be still and listen for the whispers of the Spirit. Or maybe it's just as simple as just waking each day and thanking God for the chance to do it all again, but this time with more love or more compassion for a broken world. No matter how you decide to tend your lamps, how you decide to keep them shining bright, may you do it with joy and without worry. Because yes, God's got you. God always has. But now it's up to us to show the world that God's got them too. May it be so. May we embrace this. May we embody it. And may we emanate that light. May we do it today and every day. And may it start now. Amen. Amen.